Radiodrome. Radiodrome episode 37. Sea foils, I actually checked, by the way. Hey, all right. Yay! <laughs> Radio Drum episode 37. This is, as we promised last week, our Siskel and Ebert are morons special. But before that, we got to get into our sponsor, adamandeve.com. If you guys are looking for any kind of plaything or any kind of adult video, I know Jared probably is pretty desperate for this stuff. Go, <laughs> go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, and you'll get 50% off a single item, free shipping, Three free DVDs and a special gift that even I don't know what is. So go to AdamandEve.com. <laughs> no, Brad, it's something from AdamandEve.com, not something he sends oh, to them. Dude, where do you think my manscaping shavings go? Can we talk about Siskel and Ebert now? Because this just got really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, last week I, I told both you guys and the audience that we were going to be doing that Siskel and Ebert Woman in Danger special this week. And I've got a bunch of audio clips to play, so nobody can accuse us of putting words in their mouth or taking something out of context. We're going to be playing the exact things that they said, so nobody can accuse us of being one-sided on this issue. All right, guys? Things in out of context are kind of fun. <laughs> They are, but this is not Fox News, Jared. <laughs> All right. Now, this is how, obviously discounting the opening sequence, this is how they opened their 1980 Women in Danger special. Run if you must. Hello, operator. Hide if you can. Scream if you are able. But above all, if you are alone, don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. Rated R. TV commercials like that one exploiting the plight of women in danger, those ads have been saturating television for the past two years. And the summer and fall of 1980 are the worst yet. They signify a disturbing new trend at the movie box office, one we'll be discussing on this special edition of Sneak Previews. Okay, right there, do you guys have a problem with that? The almost vitriol that they have, these things have been saturating the airwaves for the last two years. The narrator isn't even one, isn't even saying, he's not even saying anything about women. It's, it's a horror film, it's a serial killer movie, and if you want to get into that about how, in this particular case, you know, it's, it's a woman who's on the phone, and she's scared and whatnot, and you're doing a serial killer movie... Who makes up the victims usually in real life serial killer cases? Right now, let's just focus on what the way Ebert put it. He had such hatred towards the fact that these movies are everywhere now. Just in that one little clip, I don't understand his hatred. Yes, not all the movies were the best. Most of them weren't really that bad, were they? Nah, no, 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 no. They, they, they weren't. They weren't at all. Like, I mean, it was kind of the whole slasher thing. Not that it was new per se because I mean you can go back to like the early 60s and find something that can constitute as a slasher film but you know in the late 70s especially after Halloween and then into the 80s after Friday the 13th yeah there was a big surgence of slasher films of course there, there was there, there were there were tons of them and so it wasn't I don't think a lot of mainstream critics like like him necessarily knew how to read them because you know, like, everything is supposed to have some kind of underlying meaning to it, you know. Things are supposed to symbolize something and whatnot. 
No, it's, it's a slasher movie. It's a slasher movie. So what? And they they honestly like they kind of you see you saw that a lot when the uh, torture porn started hit as well. Like suddenly, oh, there's this new thing that's going mainstream that the critics can jump on just because it's it's of a particular genre. I'd even say the after the post scream movies, the whole hip cool slasher thing of the late nineties. Well, yeah, Scream was kind of a critically acclaimed movie, which is I don't understand, but tells you right there that it sucked. Well, all right, let's go on to the next clip. And by the way, for the audience who hasn't seen this special, this gets more insane as it goes along. You guys have both watched this in the last week. Am I wrong about that? Oh no, no. it's it's that crazy. It's a couple. It's a couple. And I I, I do. I grew up watching Siskel and Ebert. I, I I I did, and I I still love going back and watching the back catalogs of them too. The, the guys are great together, uh, and honestly, they at times they're, they're very funny. But you have a situation like this where they're just it, it's sort of like you know me and Jake talking about you know people ripping on me and Jake for talking a Terrence Malick film. No, the movie's not for us in this particular instance. Those movies aren't for them, really. Right? But but they're they reading, but they contradict the types themselves. of people who read too much into movies like that. But they also, and we'll get to this a little bit later, they Set contradict themselves so yeah. much. <laughs> so here, here's another idiotic thing from them. This week, however, we're going to be looking at a group of recent films that have some very ugly things in common. All of these films are thrillers featuring extreme violence directed at young women. To put it bluntly, what you see in most of these films is a lot of teenage girls being raped or stabbed to death, usually both. This is a depressing development in American movies, and on this show, we'll examine the nature of this trend and then speculate on why we're getting so many of these films and getting them now. A lot of moviegoers, adults and teenagers, both go to see these R-rated films, and they assume, well, they're just going to see a bunch of routine, scary pictures. But oftentimes, they're really shocked how awful these films are. As we explore this trend, we will not be showing you extreme violence in these movies. We've picked scenes that only suggest the violence. We want to inform you not offend you. It's just as well we're not showing some of those scenes. I think people would turn their sets off. Yes. See, I disagree with that right there. Okay. This now, is now 1980. Here's, here's a problem. Here's my problem with what he just said, okay? We're not going to show you everything and then we're going to speculate. And somehow that's supposed to inform us? Well, you know, the, the, the problem Good point, is, is one, the pe- most of the people who go see these movies know exactly what they're seeing. Right. They know exactly what they're seeing. It's fans right. of those movies. That's what they like. Slasher movies are fun. The, the, one that, the one that got me was that these films are directed at violence towards women. No, they're not. No, they're not, not at all. Movies, yeah, yes, yes, women make up victims in this. So do men. In fact... In these, if we're talking slasher films, if we're talking the slasher genre, what is it? Eighty percent of the time, it's a female character who stands up to the killer and yeah. kills him at the end. Yeah, yeah. There are exceptions when a guy survives at the end of it. That's pretty rare. It usually is a female character, or if if it is a guy, then the guy survives along with the female character in the movie. You know, you. I, I think it, it, it's sort of an odd double standard there because they wouldn't be saying this if if they thought that more. If, if the violence was directed towards the men in the films, and and, and also if they bring up like rape in these as well, and that's not a huge staple of if they're just talking about slasher films, you know. Yeah, you, you get into that when it's a movie like say I Spit on Your Grave or Miss Forty Five, Miss Forty Five, Miss Forty Five, Thriller, 
st- stuff like that. Those aren't slasher films. Those aren't slasher films. They'll talk about I Spit on Your Grave later. Okay, so really they're kind of just talking about exploitation in general, unless they lump something like I Spit on Your Grave in with slasher films. I don't consider I Spit on Your Grave to be a slasher film. No, not really. But, but the other thing is, and uh, we'll, get, we'll talk more about this in a little bit because they're going to point this out, the whole violence against women. Look at Friday the 13th, the film they single out, I think, two separate times in this. Um, isn't the killer a woman and the person who kills the killer a woman? Yeah. How is that yeah. an anti-woman statement? Yeah. Maybe it's just me that noticed that. I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're deriving it from, like, you know, when these movies are advertised, when you see trailers, a lot of them do show a scream, you know, a scream or a female character running from the killer. That's just a staple of horror films. That didn't come about because of slasher films. You know, that, that's that been around since at least, like, the movies of the 40s and the yeah, 50s. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, you see right. a woman running from a mummy or a zombie, you know, or... or Yeah, because think about it like this, Jared and Brad. If you had a guy running around and screaming from the monster all the time, you'd be kind of saying to yourself, what the hell's the matter with this guy? It just wouldn't wouldn't make sense, would it? Yeah, and I want to say this real quick, even though I'm sure we'll get back to this by the time I spit on your grave comes up. Uh, Roger Ebert gave Last House on the Left three and a half stars. Uh, He doesn't mention that in here, but he contradicts himself a couple of times we got coming up. So it's a good... I I already picked... Uh, an instance where they contradicted themselves. I've got I've got two or three, but we're not that to that point yet because the audience may not have watched this in the last week. So, <laughs> so all right, here's another clip. One of the things these so-called women in danger films all have in common is that they portray women as helpless victims. And after you've sat through a dozen or so of these films, as Gene or I, Gene and I have unfortunately had to, they all fall into the same pattern: a woman or a young girl is shown alone, isolated, and defenseless. And then comes suspense-building scenes where the girl thinks she's about to be attacked, but she isn't. And then, just when you think everything's going to be okay and nothing's going to happen, a crazy killer springs out of the shadows and attacks her. And frequently, the killer sadistically threatens the victim before he strikes. That's what's happening in this scene from last year's sleazy movie, When a Stranger Calls, which has now been re-released because of the recent upsurge of the popularity of these films about attacks on women. Obviously, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play the clip. Obviously, okay, all right, but a couple of things. One, the same thing happens to both sexes in these movies, and two, it goes back to what we were saying. Women survive these movies. They're more often than not the ones who stand up to the killer and kill them. Also, don't even get me started on him bringing up when a stranger calls. He just see the first twenty minutes of that movie and leave that movie. That's okay. Everyone remembers the babysitter scene from that movie. One, the same thing would have happened regardless of what the sex of the babysitter was. He he killed the children in that scene. He was terrorizing the babysitter, but he killed the children in that scene. That's just the first twenty minutes of that movie. That's not that whole movie. What that movie is is about years later when that guy gets out of either. Was it? it was a psychiatric hospital or jail or something like that and he gets out and he's kind of trying to put his life together a little bit you know trying to trying to force himself to be somewhat normal and is getting and you and then you have the Charles Durning character who's after him and just wants to kill him that is a very psychological film where that psychopath is the lead character in it 
first 20 minutes was just set up to that, to show you what this guy is capable of, and then we're going to show you him sort of trying to put his life back together, but he's still he's still not a sane guy. I think what they did is they basically cherry-picked examples of what they want to push their their viewpoint through rather than actually trying to be... Uh, I know it, this word doesn't really apply, but journalists. It's not a sleazy film. No, it, it's a suspense film. Yeah. It, but you know what I think is really funny about this is all they're doing in this review is just giving us reasons to watch this movie. Well, they think, I, mean, <laughs> I was going to point that out before. I was going to point that out before. Jared, remember when they said we're not going to show you these scenes? <laughs> yeah. You have to remember, this is before the age of home video. But they describe it so vividly, and and they make it sound so cool that it's it's almost like they're like this action movie is bad because it has gunshots, explosions, and naked women. You should not go smoothie. Uh, I, I will give I will give uh, I will give Roger Ebert some credit. He has lightened up big time over the subject of those movies. No, he doesn't usually like a slasher film. It's not his taste. No, he doesn't really like slasher films all that much. But he's anymore when you see him review something like that, like a slasher movie, he doesn't like it very much. But so what? He he just kind of brushes it off a little bit. So, it, but this is like I said, this is this is early '80s Roger Ebert here. This is the Roger Ebert that inspired the cinema snob. <laughs> Speaking of that, let's get on to the next clip. It's always the same. The girl is at home alone menacing attacker, the ringing telephone, the wide, frightened eyes. I think there's something terribly wrong when an image like that becomes the building block of an entire movie genre. What? A girl home alone? What's that? Okay, that happened in When a Stranger Calls in the first 20 minutes. Maybe a couple of others, whether it's about a girl home alone. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. And then we've got this one. You know, a lot of people think that the battle has been won in Hollywood on films about women. They think that now women have parity with men, that uh, there's strong women images in the films. Jill Clayburgh and an unmarried woman, Jane Fonda, in every picture she makes. Got it all wrong. Fonda and Clayburgh make one film a year, maybe, right? These films are coming out week after week playing to millions of people, and the dominant image in American films today on women is not Fonda and Clayburgh. It's women like that, cowering in the corner, knives being brandished in their faces, being raped, being sliced mm-hmm. apart. That's what's going on in American movies. That's why we're doing this show. I, I was going to say, are, did they see uh, When a Stranger Calls, or did they see a Serbian film? <laughs> <laughs> they traveled into you the know, future. Like, they're, they're treating it as if an exploitation film is a new thing. Right. You know, the movies that we know and grew up on from the 70s, even the 60s, the exploitation flicks, this is stuff that I guarantee you, Siskel and Ebert never saw Thriller or Cruel Picture. No, no. I guarantee you they never saw that. Slasher movies are, you know, I I don't know what else to say about it. They they are what they are, and if you like that, yeah, it should have violence and sex in it. It'd be like making a comedy and not putting funny parts in it. Oh, you mean like Chatterbox? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like Chatterbox. But uh, that's just what they are. And it is, it's it's just a group of people. A group of people who are together who do get somatically killed off throughout the movie. Well, it's just meant to be a throwaway good time at a movie. They, they overanalyze these so much, though. They overanalyze these to such a ridiculous degree later in this. Yeah. 
So let's go to the next one. I think a lot of people have the wrong idea. They identify these films with earlier thrillers like Psycho or even our recent film like Halloween, which we both like. These films aren't in the same category. These films hate women. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the audiences that go to them don't seem to like women too much either. Now, we go to see these films in movie theaters. These are not the kinds of movies where they have nice private little screenings <laughs> for the critics. And to sit there surrounded by people who are identifying not with the victim, but with the attacker, with the killer, who are cheering these killers on, is a very scary experience. Yeah, the movies are played so that they really are in favor almost of the killer and really against the women cowering back. That okay. just... All right, huh? first of all, Michael Myers specifically targeted women more than Jason did. Um, yeah. Um, I've got something also, else to say about Halloween later because I, I want to say something specifically to something they say later on. Well, and in terms of Halloween, yeah, they really liked Halloween, which I, I like the movie too. I like the movie a lot. It's find it to be a very good suspense film. But come on, they they only liked it because it was it was the first modern slasher film. You know, I maybe not the first, but I, I'd but call Texas it, Chainsaw it inspired, the first. It inspired a lot of them. And they're saying because if Halloween, as it is, came out with the plethora of other slasher films in the early 80s, they still wouldn't have liked it. Probably not. So let's move on to this one. I don't think we can stress this too strongly, that we're not talking about a, just a couple of films. It seems like we're getting new ones of these kind of films every other week. That amounts to a major movie trend. Here are some examples. There's prom night, with teenage girls being slaughtered at their high school prom. The ad campaign is, if you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. There's Don't Go in the House. A guy who was tortured by his mother burns three women to death. The cell line here is, you have been warned. And there's The Howling, a new movie about a woman who goes alone on a vacation and is tortured by the locals. The come on line here is, imagine your worst fear, a reality. And there's Terror Train, in which six college students at a masquerade party on a train are stalked by a psychopath. And there's The Boogeyman. A supernatural killer haunts a house. Now, I want to point this out right away. I don't think they had actually seen any of those films when they when they made that statement. I, I was just about to say, i got to give props for them to, for seeing Don't Go in the House. I didn't think they would have seen that movie. Well, I, 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 wanted, to the, I wanted to point out The Howling. Yeah. Siskel gave The Howling a great review. So not only did he get the plot wrong, the way, yeah, the way he described it, he got the plot wrong, but he also gave The Howling a great review. So I he thought he only gave The Howling like two stars. No, he he said it was very suspenseful and artistically directed. And then that kind of goes against what he just said right there. And in terms of Don't Go in the House, that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Don't Go in the House is not a slasher film. Don't Go in the House is a psychological film about a guy who's, like like he said, uh, is tor was tormented by his mother and is a serial killer. It, it, it's a movie about a serial killer. And yeah, real life serial killers, not all of them, but a lot of them did target women. That was just reality. That was just the kind that was just the kind of killer that he was in that Don Grimaldi played in that movie. I didn't think it I didn't I didn't think it was a sexist film. I thought it was just trying to portray this very and first of all, he's the villain in that movie. He is not a good guy. It would be sexist if the movie was pro what he was doing that showed what he was doing in a positive light. 
He's the bad guy in that movie. The killers in slasher films are the bad guys. Yes, and bad guys do bad things. Whether it's killing men, or it's killing women, and in the case of Don't Go in the House, it is a psychological film about a serial killer who, who the movie does not glorify. Well, and then we move on to this. Now, week after week, these are the kinds of movies we're getting. It is relentless. Every film company seems to be making one of these movies or distributing one that some fast buck artist has already made. In addition to the films we've already mentioned this season, we also have He Knows You Are Alone, Motel Hell, Phobia, Mother's Day, Schizoid, Silent Scream, and I Spit on Your Grave, which is easily the worst of this disgusting bunch. The newspaper ads for these films are bold in the way they suggest terror, but in no way in many cases do the ads really prepare you for the kind of explicit violence we end up getting on the screen. Decapitations are not uncommon, and shots, repeated stabbing shots of all parts of women's bodies are grotesquely routine. You know what I think misleads a lot of people when they look at the newspaper ads or ads on television for these movies? They see that R rating, and they think, well... R, that means if you're under 17, you have to take along a parent or an adult guardian. It can't be that bad. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've seen other R-rated films, like this summer you had The Blue Lagoon. It had a little low-key nudity in it, or The Blues Brothers, which really wasn't too extreme. And so they say, well, that's not so bad. They have no idea. I agree with you about I Spit on Your Grave. That is the most violent, extreme, grotesque, nauseating R-rated picture I've ever seen. And I just don't understand how the R rating has grown so large as Mm -hmm. to include these films, which, in my opinion, go right off the map of any kind of good taste. I just, huh? Well, okay, companies, companies, you know, they're making slasher movies because people are going to go see slasher movies. Slasher movies have a fan base. Just like companies make comedies, they make dramas, they make action films. And the R rating, the R rating, it covers a lot of things, whether it's language, whether it's nudity, or whether it's, it's violence. I mean, you can't have a separate rating for nudity, uh, vulgarity. You do or today. Violence. Well, nowadays it is. Yeah, it's you, the you same do now. Rating, but they tell you what. Yeah. yeah, nowadays it's the same rating, but they tell. You. But but come on, you're not going to go see something like I spit on your grave, and think that it's rated R for the same reason that the Blues Brothers is. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go into you're not going to go into prom night or or Friday Thirteenth thinking that it's going to be Animal House. <laughs> Yeah, you, you have to use some common sense. I remember in the 90s when everyone was complaining about how hardcore Natural Born Killers was, and people were complaining that they let their teenage son go see that, and, you know, how could the movie theater sell them a ticket? You're buying a ticket to a movie called Natural Born Killers. What right. did you expect? Right. Did you expect it was going to be a My Little Pony spinoff? <laughs> Yeah, what's happening is these gougings, again, to make the point, are taking place, and they're basically, basically women that are being gouged. They just will not get off that, will they? No. Well, it's the name of the episode. Right. But here's... here's Catholic high school girls in in trouble. trouble. I love that scene. I love that shower scene. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, and and I I, I do got to say this. People, okay, Siskel and Ebert... They they have to see these movies. They're major movie critics, and they go see them. The common moviegoer is not going to see something like that if they don't want to. Pre- they're kind of preaching to a group of people who wouldn't go see these movies anyway. Right, they actually touch on that a little bit later, but this next one is where we really start to go off the deep end here. Uh, I think at this point somebody is probably wondering why. 
Why? Why exactly. now? Why is this happening? I have a theory. In the last couple of months that I've been seeing these pictures, I'm convinced it has something to do with the growth of the women's movement in America in the last decade. I think that these films are some sort of primordial response <laughs> by some very sick people of men saying, get back in your place, women. Uh, these women in the films are typically portrayed as independent, as sexual, as enjoying life. And the killer, typically, not all the time, but most often, mm -hmm. is a man who is sexually frustrated with these new aggressive women. And so he strikes back at them. He throws knives at them. He can't deal with them. He cuts them up. He kills them. Get back in your place. It's against the women's movement. I think you're basically right, Gene. You know, after you've sat through hour after hour of this complete trash, you begin to ask yourself, what did these female victims do to deserve the horrible attacks they undergo in these films? What was their crime? Why is it suddenly open season on young women in the movies? Well, one thing that most of the women victims do have is in common is that they do act independently, and I agree with you on that point. Mm -hmm. To one degree or another, they're liberated women who choose to act on their own. And the w moment that a woman starts making decisions for herself in these movies, yeah. you can almost bet she's going to end up paying with her life, and horribly. That's, that's not true. If anything, uh, it's, it's the very mature, well-together woman in these movies that survived the pictures. And also... Uh, Basically, survival of the fittest. Yeah. Well, those, there was a lot of those movies because Halloween was a big hit, which hit, and then more movies got made, and they kept making money. That's, that's why there was a lot of slasher movies, is because of that, not because of the women's movement. If, 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 if it was some kind of anti-women's movement thing, they would probably all be like, I spit on your grave, and it would just be the first half of the movie. And also, in terms of like the killers being, you know, some of them being sexually frustrated and all that, okay, yeah, there, there are a lot of them that are like that. But these villains in these movies are serial killers. You find that a lot with actual serial killers. Well, and then also just look at the whole that somehow it's a societal response to the woman's movement. They're doing I, it because the movies are making money. Right. They're not I, trying to make a statement. I, I'm not trying to dumb down what what our society was like in 1980, but I really don't think these filmmakers were going, "Oh, we need to we need to start repre re repressing women. My wife is starting to go off with her own friends. I've got to make a movie that addresses this and puts her in her place." I don't think any one of these filmmakers was thinking something like that. No, they just they just wanted to get together and make an entertaining movie. <laughs> right. You know, since they since they want to speculate here, let me speculate. <clears throat> Roger, Roger, we got to do this episode because then we will get so much poon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then then it's actually a good point, Jared. But th th after the after this. <laughs> Yeah, in reality, in reality, we actually agree with everything they're saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> so here is where they start attacking Friday the Thirteenth. And in the movie Friday the Thirteenth, an independent female camp counselor goes out on her own and hitchhikes a ride with the wrong driver. We view a scene through the eyes of the killer. You never saw the driver in that last scene. Instead, you saw everything through the driver's eyes. Now, in the traditional horror movie, 
We often saw things from the victim's point of view, but that's no longer. Now we look through the killer's eyes. It's almost as if the audience is being asked to identify with the attackers in these movies, and that really bothers me. That's a very good point. One other thing that bothers me is that the behavior that these women are engaging in, if done by men, would be considered brave, bold, and fun. Mm -hmm. Going hitchhiking, you know, mm -hmm. going across the country like an easy rider, very typical. A sure. woman tries to do something like that in these films, whammo, they get sliced up. First, I want to point out the whole seeing everything through the killer's eyes. Because, yeah, Halloween didn't do that, did it? A movie that they loved. That was the first scene in Halloween. And it, if that movie was made in 1980 or 1981, they would be using that as a bad example. And specifically what they're doing here, uh, what they're talking about uh, right here, hello, the killer sees a woman walking down the road, he thinks vulnerability. She. Friday the 13th is a she. Friday the 13th, that character was not because she's a woman. When you find out the reason why Pamela Voorhees is killing them in it. It's just because they're at that campsite. Right, they're a counselors. Group of yeah. people, counselor, counselors, um, the dude who owns the place, that's why those people are getting killed. Yeah. It doesn't matter that that girl, who wasn't really, it wasn't like she was some kind of free spirit character who was hitchhiking across right. the country or whatever. She was going to her job. Right. Uh, her, her job as the cook. I think she was going to be the cook. At the, uh, at Camp Crystal Lake. That's why she was killed, because she was going to Camp Crystal Lake. Jason, Jason Voorhees' mother was killing everybody at that camp, because she was crazy, and her son was killed Right, and she prior. wanted to get vengeance. She wanted to kill everyone at that right. camp. It did not matter the sex of that character who got into the car. Just like it didn't matter the sex of Dave uh, Christie, who, again, was out alone by himself in the rain, and she killed him, not because of the sex he was, but because he, he was, was there. Yeah. Well, but uh, I, I want to address the whole, we see it through the killer's eyes, so we somehow identify with the killer. That's bold. Only if you are already mentally unstable is that going to happen, I believe. No sane person will go, well, it looked really fun in the movie when the killer from that perspective was doing it. <laughs> I think I want to slash a camp counselor's neck just to see what happens. That sounds like fun. Well, that, you know, it, you know a, lot, a lot of horror movies, a lot of slasher movies after that did that mainly because Halloween did it effectively. And it was just, it was just a camera angle. It was just an artistic idea for to just shoot that sequence yeah. like that. It yeah. was done really well. Right, I thought it was as well. Now this next one, I apologize, is a little long. It's just under two minutes. But you need to get the whole segment to understand just how insane their argument takes an even bigger left turn here. And again, I want to expand on this notion of what may be causing this. Whenever we see a movie trend, I think that what's really going on, I think I've talked about this, is sort of a coalesced dream that the, the uh -huh. people may be feeling and the filmmaker hits on. Remember those disaster pictures? We talked about it. Everybody being afraid that something mm -hmm. evil might happen to the world, a nuclear explosion or something like that. Then we get all these doomsday mm -hmm. films. Here, I think filmmakers are picking up on the notion that a lot of men are angry at women, don't know how to cope with women, and they're pandering, exciting, inflaming men. Mm -hmm. Very bad. When you talk about the coalesced dreams, in other words, there are a lot of people out there who have urges or feelings or fears that they don't articulate themselves, and then a movie comes along, sometimes almost by accident, yes. that strikes that chord. For example, when Airport came out in 1970, nobody knew that was going to be the first of countless, umpteen dozens of disaster movies. Mm -hmm. But it really spoke to people in a way that made other people imitate it. And I think in this case, 
the first movie of this whole series of uh, women in danger films was obviously Halloween, which mm. I think, and we're going to get to Halloween in just a moment, I think it's a pretty good picture, but it captured an enormous audience, it did millions of dollars worth of business, and then the sleaze merchants who came along looked at that movie and tried to put their finger on what it was about it that was so successful, and they said, well, women being chased by a killer, that's it. Mm -hmm. Let's go out and hire us some more women and some more killers and make us some money. That's why they call these things exploitation films, mm -hmm. these rotten ones, because they exploit one element and make it sort of sick. Mm -hmm. Also, many of the attacks in these films take on uh, women who are scantily clad. And I think that the intent here is to also exploit the sex angle in these pictures. The nudity is always gratuitous. It's just put in the film only to titillate the audience and maybe make one other point that women who dress this way or merely uncover their bodies are somehow asking for trouble and somehow deserve the trouble they get. That's a very sick idea. Now, i got to point out right away, I think they're reading way, way too much into something that is not there. I really don't think... Wink! Well, yeah, of course, <laughs> that, that honestly goes without saying. I mean, okay, first of all, Halloween had a sex scene in it, too, and you're trying to tell me that had some kind of artistic meaning to it. No, we just wanted to see PJ Soul's tits. Um, but they were, they, okay, I want to point I, out yeah, they were gotta, really nice gotta, tits. The, the two of them, the two of them, they got to make up their mind. Are they are they just being made as a trend to make money because the other movies made money, or is it because, or is it a response to feminism? Roger, seriously, so much poon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now they they attack Friday the Thirteenth again. And in Friday the 13th, we watch as a young woman primps provocatively in a bathroom mirror as she is stalked by a hatchet killer. This is yet another film connecting sex with violence. A film saying, act this way, young women, and you're asking for trouble. Again, huh? Who was ever saying, oh, if you act like a slut, you're totally dead? Didn't most of us want, want the chicks we were looking at to act like sluts, or was that just me? Right? <laughs> it can't just be me. Friday the 13th, yeah, she was, the, the killer was the one who's killing everybody at that camp. Yeah, she, she had something against people having sex because, because uh, the, the counselors are having sex when Jason Voorhees, quote unquote, died. Right. You know, so yeah, she didn't really like that too terribly much when, you know, Kevin Bacon was having sex with that other girl, but one, they, the two, those two characters would have died anyway. And also, <laughs> and also, it takes two to tango, man. Uh, what is it? Is it? Is it the girl's fault that both of them are having sex in this scene? <laughs> well, see, yeah, it's, it's I, two people having consensual sex with each other. So what? Are there are a couple of young people in the movie. Who cares? They get killed. It's a slasher film, and it's about a killer. That's generally the rule, too. If you get laid, you die. Yeah. Well, and now. They actually take this a step further. This one's about a minute and a half long, but they, they take this to another ridiculous degree of them just massively overanalyzing the, the point where it would be like a Terrence Malick film. I dread going to these kinds of movies. It really has become the most depressing part of my job as a film critic. And there we are in total agreement, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we go to see these movies, and in a way, I almost feel as if I don't belong in the theater, because everybody else apparently went to these movies, movies like this, voluntarily. They're happy to be there. They're reacting. I feel like an undercover spy in the dark. <laughs> I went to see I Spit on Your Grave, and I was sitting next to a fairly nicely dressed middle-aged man, maybe in his 50s or 60s, who was talking back to the screen with lines like, boy, she's really asking for it now, or, you know, there's a rape scene coming up, this'll be a good one, and so forth. 
this guy is, to my way of thinking, a vicarious sex criminal. He has very antisocial attitudes. I felt creepy sitting there. Not all of the guys, uh, I went and saw the picture too, and I saw a lot of couples on dates. And that gets me worried about another thing. I know a lot of people are wondering, well, you know, people are going to see this film and imitate the behavior. Some people may. I don't know. But the majority of middle-class people are going to see these films. That's why they're such big hits. And I worry then about this idea, which is that when you view women constantly as sport, being stabbed, I think that's a sort of a sick notion that just sort of makes it it's degrading. You view them as second class, that somehow this is acceptable behavior. You've said before that all movies tend to argue in favor of the behavior that they show. Mm -hmm. These are women as sport, to be stabbed. I think that's a bad idea. You know, they outlawed bullfighting because it was cruel. Uh, I almost have some of the same feeling toward these kinds of films. These kinds of movies put some very bad ideas in society in the context of entertainment. So. Yes. If, if that's what they think about, about these, I would really love to have them do an episode on 80s porn. Uh, to talk, if you're going to talk women in a sport, like, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a new thing. That I mean, Herschel Gordon Lewis was doing this in the early '60s. Uh, well, yeah, he's right. The movies aren't made for them. They're not. It's not their. You know, it's not so much. They, they they just can't simply say it's not their taste. Just say it's not your taste. To go to the guy in the theater for I spit on your grave. Okay, that was a very bad guy. If the guy actually said that and meant that that was a creep that was a bad guy that guy does not speak for the audience of that movie that movie does not want you to root for the rapist that movie does not want that kind of reaction from somebody in the audience okay I'm sure yeah I'm positive that yeah there are some creepy dudes who do, of, of, course, of course there's people like this out there who get off on something like I spit on your grave. But you know what? There's also creepy guys out there who get off to stuff like the Disney Channel and movies with, and kids' movies and stuff yeah. like that. Well, Brad, there it, it, it creeps goes... creeps there. Brad, it goes back to your Night Dreams review as the cinema snob. Remember when you were like, there was some guy in the audience that was just going, oh, God, please let her poop? There's always going to be... <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be that one weirdo that totally misreads what's on the screen and that's not that person does not speak for the audience of, of, of right. that, that movie right well and then here they talk about the publicity of these films you know gene and i had some long discussions before we decided to do this special mm -hmm. program on women in danger in the movies and frankly we worried about whether additional publicity for these movies might simply help them out at the box office we sure hope not our intention is to simply report on this trend and to warn unsuspecting people who might go to these films thinking they're merely good, old-fashioned horror films, the kind a lot of people used to enjoy. Because there is a difference between good and scary movies and movies that systematically demean half the human race. There is a difference between movies which are violent but entertaining and movies that are gruesome and despicable. There is a difference between a horror movie and a freak show. And again, it goes back to what you said, Brad. These movies are clearly not made for this type of critic. These movies are not made for the cinema snob. No. These movies are made for Brad Jones. Exactly. An 80s Dan. An 80s Dan. <laughs> and, 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 and Brad and Jared. And Josh and let, me just, and let me just add into that sentence that Siskel and Ebert are a freak show. <laughs> I like Siskel and Ebert, but here they're put into... Uh, 
in a situation where they're talking and overanalyzing something that's not there, something that's just that's just not there. It's like, you know, they have to try to find some kind of hidden explanation. Well, and then they also, Brad, they also overlook, like we pointed out before about Halloween. Here's what they have to say about Halloween. Both of us gave favorable reviews to a very scary 1978 horror film named Halloween. Now, there must be people asking... How could we praise a movie like that and now say these other movies are so terrible? Well, here's a scene from Halloween. It's got the same basic situation as all the women in danger movies have. There's a woman alone in a big house. She's being chased by a killer. But let's look at it first and then talk about some of the differences. All right, before I play them talking about the differences, the scene that they showed is the scene with Laurie in the closet where she stabs Michael in the eye with the coat hanger. yeah. That's the scene that they... I wasn't going to waste the minute and a half that they play the scene. So then here's what they say about it. Okay, that's Halloween, a horror movie we both think is pretty good. Very good. One of the things a short scene can't show you is that Halloween is directed and acted with a great deal more artistry and craftsmanship than the sleaze bucket movies we've been talking about. But there's another much more important difference. As you watch Halloween, your basic sympathies are always enlisted on the side of the woman, not with the killer. The movie develops its women characters as independent, intelligent, spunky and interesting people. Halloween does not hate women. Yeah, you know, when I saw that scene, I must admit, I wasn't really worrying about the woman as much as I was placing myself in that closet and thinking about that killer, how I would handle it. Uh-huh. And I was also appreciating the fact that I think Halloween not only doesn't hate women, mm-hmm. but it loves film and filmmaking. That music is just fabulous. The way he starts one theme, then lays another thing on top of it, keeping the other theme. Really good. Uh, also, the light coming through the slats in that mm-hmm. closet. Mm-hmm. This is a film that's sort of up. That scene is up and you're jumpy rather than getting depressed and feeling sorry and feeling sorry that you're even watching it. An upbeat thing. An upbeat thing? <laughs> huh? You know, I mean, Halloween, you know, that with her, you know, yeah, you do really feel for Laurie Strode in that scene. You're supposed to. You're not supposed to be rooting for Michael Myers, you know, like like I said, Halloween, you know, yeah, Halloween is a slasher, is a, is a great slasher film. It, it's it's a, it's a slasher movie that does it well. And yeah, there's a lot of slasher movies that, that aren't very good, sure, but there's a lot of other ones that do it well, too. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night off the top of my head. But I don't think that in a lot of the other movies, you're necessarily rooting for the killer. Um, I mean... I mean, yeah, you're you're going to them for like a roller coaster ride, and you know that people are, are going to die in some pretty far out ways, and that that can you know that can that can generate some humor to it. But it's always like it seems like you're in in some of those cases you're kind of laughing along with the movie, like it, it's sort of tongue in that some of it's tongue in cheek, really, because it can get cartoonish. But 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 even in those movies, yeah, there are characters that you want to see die. But that's just because they're bad characters. Because they're they're not likable characters. It's like they finally die, and you're just like, "Thank you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why'd that take an hour? It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you know you want the killer to get away with it, or you're necessarily on his side. Because by the time that it by the time that it you do get past uh, PJ Souls and whatnot from Halloween, you're rooting for. For uh, Lori Strode, right. just well, like you're here, for uh, um, Adrian King and Friday the Thirteenth. Well, here they go into art versus sleaze. Well, hold on, I, I oh, just okay. wanted to add that of course Halloween is really upbeat. Didn't you know Danny Elfman did the score for Halloween? <laughs> or, wasn't that his pseudonym as something Carpenter? 
they could have weird science. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Get that off your head. So here, here we go. Art versus sleaze. You know, I think what you're touching on here is that artistry can redeem any subject matter. Sure. That's why I've always been opposed to censorship. I don't mm -hmm. believe any subject matter should be off base. Right. The question is, what does the artist do with it? How does he look at it? How does he put it through his art in order to make a statement about it, or to make it into either a commercial film or a serious film? I believe that in the case of a movie like Halloween, we can engage in that joy of filmmaking that you talk about. That's not the case with the other films that really address themselves to the lowest possible common denominator. So we're not knocking scary pictures, no. per se, just a certain kind. And just to make the point one final time, differentiate the films we're talking about from something good like Halloween, the films that we're dealing with here don't have the artistry of Halloween. These women in danger films all really boil down to just one same image, one disturbing image, a woman screaming in abject terror. I can't disagree with that more. To me... Screaming, there's a killer after him. Right, Men are screaming in those movies too. But uh, I mean the art versus sleaze part. One person's sleaze is another person's art. They are calling Halloween art where, you know, anyone that listens to this show knows I don't really like that film and I don't think it's particularly well made. I would not call Halloween art. I would call The Howling. That is a very artistic movie. I think it's beautifully shot, beautifully acted. I love the lighting. Halloween, I disagree with that. One person's art is another person's sleaze. Yeah, well, I think, you know, movies are an art form in general, really. I mean, but, I mean, yeah, they will tend to like something like Halloween or, I can look off the top of my head, but, but something that would come from a very critically acclaimed director. Yeah, they might like it. Um, but, I, I'm sorry, he, he said that he was against censorship. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Siskel and Ebert, like, lead the way for I Spit on Your Grave to get banned in Chicago? Yeah. I, 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 I was noticing that too I'm against censorship but I don't think this movie should be seen by anybody I'm against censorship as long as it's something I like but right. of course Halloween is art Michael Myers is a metaphor for our inner child Halloween is a, <laughs> Halloween is a very well made film it's very well shot the music in it's great so are a lot of other slasher films yeah. so is stage fright so is um, Friday the 13th has beautiful music in it. Right. Um, well, we got one more clip here. We're, we only got five minutes left in the show. We got one more 30 second clip here. This is how they ended their little special. That's really the degrading essence of what's going on in these pictures. And in that one, they even slow it down in slow motion. That's all that's about is just that sick image of the woman cowering in a corner. As to what people can do about these films, this trend in the movies that we've been spotlighting. I think that people have to realize that the box office speaks louder than just two film critics. So if one of these films is around, if you have an idea that it might be around, stay away. Right, and how do you know which films to stay away from? Usually you can tell by the ads. R-rated, usually has a knife or a hatchet or an axe, a girl screaming, some guy in a hood. Yes. These movies are junk. Give them a pass. Okay. They just basically gave us a counter-argument to them. The box office speaks volumes. Well, clearly people want to see these movies or they wouldn't have made millions of dollars per picture. Right. I'm sorry, Halloween has a knife on the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you know, yeah, the people who want to go see them, go see them because they like slasher movies, because they like that subgenre of horror, which I do too. I, I grew up on all of that stuff. You know, they're talking to an audience that aren't going to go see something like that anyway. 
they they are talking to the audience, and you know, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of cases where people did walk into these movies not knowing really what they were getting into, but that wasn't the majority. Right. That's a very small percentage right. there. But so you know, people who who that's not their thing. They're those kind of people aren't going to go see it out of curiosity, even out of curiosity. Like, my dad does not like slasher movies. He doesn't think they're immoral or anything. It's just not his taste. And he would not go see something like that even out of the curiosity because he knows he's not going to like it. He knows it's not his taste. And so what? Just let whoever wants to go see it, go see it. It's it's their thing. Fine. Um, I certainly enjoy a lot of those movies. I do as well, and we don't have enough time to analyze this as much as I'd like. Like I said, I had a lot of audio clips I wanted to play. Next week, what I want to do is have the three of us discuss that 80s slasher era and like what was good and what was bad about it, and we'll dissect this a little bit more next week because we just don't have the time. But I just want to say, these guys, I don't understand why they chose to campaign so hard against something that not only could they not really have an effect on, but there really wasn't that big of a problem. They were making a bigger problem out of these films than there really was. Yeah, and in slasher movies and that whole that whole rise of that subgenre really was kind of mainstream critics' big introduction to exploitation because they didn't see a lot of the stuff from the early 70s and 60s. And I guarantee you those guys didn't see a Herschel Gord Lewis movie. Right. Uh, so we, well, we've only got a minute and a half, so I don't mean to cut you off, Brad, but we don't have enough time to finish your thought tonight. We do need well, to... Well, that's all we have next week for Brad, Josh, and Jared and the movies. <laughs> and remember, the balcony is closed. <laughs> but so, no, we want to plug adamandeve.com again. Use the promo code DROME. We want to plug our friends at Alternative Cinema. Go and check out them. They got a lot of really cool stuff in that basement shot on video five movie set that Brad and I talked about before is coming out and our friend James over at VHS Wasteland go check out VHS Wasteland if you get a chance alright foils go I know you want to <laughs> uh, foilwrapproductions.com and find me on Facebook facebook.com slash Jared Foils alright I'm saying good night good night oh,
Suddenly, the phone rings. Hello, Elvira, mistress of the dark. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Oh my god! The lines been cut! The phone! It's... 